It's just plain wrong that getting a good night's sleep is so hard. You know, sleep doesn't have to be this hard. There is a faster way to get better sleep. Sleep Takeout gives you real practical sleep solutions and your questions answered. I'm Dr. Bond, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Dr. Satuni, and I'm a board-certified sleep and pulmonary physician. And we're here to talk to you about sleep advice without a pill. This Sleep Takeout podcast is for information and entertainment purposes. This podcast is not intended as professional or legal advice. Podcasts are not treatment. Sleep disorders and mental health conditions need to be individualized with the healthcare provider. Sleep Takeout is not a replacement for professional advice or recommendations. So help your friends sleep better. Share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Hey, how are you? Hey, Michelle. Good. Always good to be here recording another podcast episode. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, you too. So um, have you done anything fun, you know, recently? Oh, yeah. Well, so I think we talked about this before. So it's a new year and I've actually tried. How long are we going to say it's a new year? I don't know. At least at least through quarter one. Quarter one. Yeah. Quarter one, 2024. It's still new. It's newish. I mean, it's new. New to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was new. Yeah. So well, I did my first yoga class. Yay. I would have yeah. taken you for someone who's done that before. You know, I've I've tried other things. I've never actually done yoga before. Um, and this is my first time. Well, I think I told you, I was telling you, we were chatting a little bit before. I would really have preferred like a very like low, like very beginner level. I took a beginner one, beginner yoga. I think I really would have preferred like like going with like, you know, your grandma level like that, like like very like low key. Just because I'm just here to check it out and see what it was like. But I really actually enjoyed it. It was really fun. Good. It wasn't like any of that. We ought there there was a hot yoga class happening right next door. And I saw people leaving that. And I'm like, oof, that is dedication. Like they were drenched. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just here to do some stretches. Well, so I love the idea of kind of a formal class, particularly for something that you're not good at yet Mm -hmm. uh, versus basically doing something on your own. So yoga obviously has been practiced for thousands of years mm-hmm. as kind of an, a solitary type of mm-hmm. activity. And then now they have classes, which really help because it's really help, helpful to have, you know, a guide or somebody right. that goes through with it. Um, the class that you were in, were there a lot of people there? There was, it was me. I would say there's probably about like 10 of us in there. It was okay. beginner yoga. And, so that's pretty good. I mean, I've yeah. been in classes where there's like 30 and 40 people. and Yeah, I, I could definitely tell like the room was set up to have more people in it. But this is like, you know, a new year and maybe maybe all the new yoga people were already already there January 1. <laughs> I wasn't there January 1. But um, but it was nice. Actually, I enjoyed it. It was. And I would say the hardest part is keeping up with all the moves and knowing what the moves are. Yeah. And, well, there's a whole different language. Yeah, there is. Like all these different positions, which are named after animals. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of like a cat. I see that. And then there's like, and then you had to switch. And then, but I mean, I would say the the part that I found the most interesting was like, as soon as I like got to a position, it'd be done. We would have to move on. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, we gotta, we're moving on to the next one. And then, but you definitely like stretch some things. You feel, I mean, it, you, you definitely feel it more limber afterwards. So cool. Yeah, I liked it. It's fun. I well, think I'm gonna keep doing it. I wanted it. to kind of catch you up. Last time we were recording, we put kind of a, a thing out there for people to do, like a call to action or so, or something that 
mm-hmm. you know, for recognition. And what I've heard back is that a lot of people are afraid of what will happen the day that they don't sleep well or if they oh, if yeah. they haven't done enough that that it's like now setting the way that they're acknowledging that they're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting because I didn't think that, A, that many people were going to get back to us, but uh-huh. it sounds like a wow, topic thank you, that- listeners. Yeah, it sounds like a topic that needs to get mm-hmm. really addressed. Yeah, well, I mean, you and I both see this a lot in general. Like these beliefs are what drive a lot of people's- um, attempts to try and correct for a sleep disruption. Yeah. So um, we're titling this episode Fear, like the fear of not sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it will go a little bit on the questions that are part of that dysfunctional belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about them because acknowledging some of this seems to be part of that recovery. Just like admitting you have a problem with anything, it, mm-hmm. it's really going to be part of your recovery. Um, and it doesn't determine if your sleep is bad. It really kind of helps make you take that first step towards the correcting of a problem. Right. Which right. in some respects is learning to let go. Yeah. Your brain yeah. probably mm-hmm. needs to uh, kind of have that okay signal, like mm-hmm. the all clear, not all solved, but all clear sure. for the moment. And right. uh, then it can keep going. Yeah. So we're going to start with... Um, kind of in the middle of the dysfunctional system on the show notes from episode 70, you can click on the link that will take you to uh, the whole list again. So I will probably repost that on the show notes of this one as well. But um, the number 10 starts out with like the, I can't ever predict whether I'll have a good or night, bad night's sleep. Um, And I think that, you know, a lot of people started disagreeing with this one mm-hmm. because they all of a sudden said they could predict. Tell me what that yeah. means or does. Right. I think this one's fascinating, right? Because uh, we, human beings, we love to feel like we have control in different areas. Like in predicting the future is one of them, but also predicting like good sleep. And, you know, some of the feedback that we got from people were, I can predict when I get a good night's rest if I do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And... That's kind of a fascinating thing to kind of observe that people are wanting to try and um, control their like sleep routine that much. Yeah, it's like this tower and the tower is different every every day and so much is out of their control. Mm -hmm. So um, predictions are a really, you know, in anything and in particularly with sleep can be very tricky and also extremely frustrating to uh to follow Mm -hmm. absolutely i would say you can't really predict your sleep (laughs) you can't predict whether you're going to get good rest or not such good rest so yeah so you can plan and you can lay out the consequences um you know as somebody that has kids at home with exams you know you also can't predict Mm -hmm. the the questions on an exam right you can try to predict or you can try and answer your own questions and then work on you know what leads into them but it's a really hard thing to uh, to try to predict anything. Right. Um, and the trying of predicting uh, gets people very frustrated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. I think it causes a lot of tension, especially when those predictions don't go uh, as expected, right? A big one that we see a lot is, well, I took my sleeping pill or I took my sleeping supplement and 
it's now 1130 at night and it's not working. Yeah. Or I did everything like I did before and mm -hmm. now it's not working. Right. Like I got in bed at 7 p.m. like it worked for me before and but now I can't sleep. Yeah. Yep. I would say that's a, that's a huge one. The next one here, which I think is also kind of pretty uh, insightful, is I have little ability to manage the negative consequences of disturbed sleep. Tell me about this one. Yeah. So this one kind of comes up when people are really kind of wondering, you know, when you have a sleep disruption, there's also this general belief that can show up, which is that you're just like, oh, crap. Like, here it is. I'm wide awake. I can't do anything about it. And so then they try and force themselves to like go back to sleep by either staying in bed, you know, forcing your eyes closed or, you know, ruminating in their bed, like why, why can't I get good sleep tonight? Those types of things, which again are some of the opposite behaviors we want you to do. Um, we, we don't want you to do those the ones that I just mentioned. So. Yeah, I think people that have had problems and then have learned to manage this space is you you have to understand waking up is actually very normal and it's actually mm -hmm. even more of a normal part as people get older mm -hmm. than it was when they were younger. Um, and by younger is like teenagers and, and little mm -hmm. kids. So as adults, wake up is pretty normal. Staying mm -hmm. up is the abnormal and the pathologic portion. Right. So when you wake up, really try not to focus on the the wake up itself that's that's just a given mm -hmm. what are you going to do with that ex ex like extra bonus piece mm -hmm. of being awake and this is where uh, we've talked in episodes you know 68 69 about um about unwinding and yeah. about kind of using that as that mindful moment that maybe you didn't have earlier mm -hmm. in the day or that you won't have when you first wake up in the morning mm -hmm. um and enjoy it Yep. It's kind of a, a positive. So a lot of what I noticed about some of these questions is you can flip them the opposite and make them a positive. Absolutely. Yeah. The double yeah. negative on that question really, yep. really helped. Yes, you got it. Well, and I think it's, it's again, it comes back to the belief itself on its own. So that's what this questionnaire is so interesting. These beliefs themselves on their own are not so necessarily concerning. But it's the grouping of them together where people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this, especially when you um, when I get this questionnaire back from from clients and and I usually looking for things that people write at nine or ten. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm like, oh, yeah, that one's a pretty strong one for you. And there's usually several of them and they're clustered around different things. But yeah, but it comes so. a lot of uh, like scary things that are yeah. leading up to it. Totally. All right, so number 12 says. When I feel tired, have no energy, or just seem not to function well during the day, it is generally because I did not sleep well the night before. So it's mm -hmm. like by defining mm -hmm. something equaling something else. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of interesting. Lots of things can make us not feel well, right? There's lots of things that can make us seem to not function as well. And it's really interesting that we can so quickly connect that to poor sleep. Um, and and often jump to that as like the first conclusion. So. Yeah, and um, you know, one of the things that's in that journaling period, if if you were starting to point to, you know, those predictions and having a lot of fear to what's going to happen for your next day, maybe think of alter like alternative solutions or mm -hmm. alternative explanations. Yep, and that could be really helpful for you to kind of revisit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, like there's more than one, just like we've talked about. Cognitive restructuring on, gosh, I forget which episode that was. That was a while back. Um, but there are usually, there's more than one potentially viable explanation for things. And 
oftentimes the first conclusion that our brains like to come up with is usually more than likely not the most accurate conclusion. So it's kind of recognizing your own biases too at times. So, all right. And the next one, this one's important. It says, I believe that insomnia is essentially a result of a chemical imbalance. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, This This one we see all the time. Yeah. You know, as a sleep specialist in my, my day life, um, you know, they, they come in with a list of medicines and, you know, about 40 minutes after I've already, you know, been getting the dose and the, mm-hmm. and the timing and everything of it, I realized that, you know, they have an entire system that's built in and I asked why. And they said, well, it's because of a result of a chemical imbalance. This is a mm-hmm. really bad thing that a provider or a, um, a physician can put into somebody's head mm-hmm. because then it creates pathology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bad sleep is not a pathology. It's it's kind of a, a symptom or, you know, a sign of something else that's going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what do you what would you say to these these patients that would say, oh, I take this pill because it means that I have a chemical imbalance. That's why my sleep is so bad. Yeah, I I give a little bit of an example on it, like somebody who um who skins their knee and they fall off their bike. Um, and I say that uh, the chemical imbalance that happens is right at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, the adrenaline surges that are in mm-hmm. there or the interleukins and the cytokines that go off to fight a potential you know sure. infection and start healing it, and then also just the healing thing. So that's a chemical imbalance. Um, the insomnia itself is, is, you know, not sleeping with some dysfunction that's as a result of it, that can be due to a chemical imbalance, not of the insomnia itself as the things that lead into it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, it's the stress or not doing enough during the day, but we're in charge, not necessarily a medicine in, is in charge mm-hmm. of fixing those chemicals. Mm-hmm. So we talked about how, uh, taking a short walk can improve the amount of serotonin that you have in your yeah. system. We talk a lot about the amount of light that you get, particularly mm-hmm. in the day and the evening, um, and for sure at night. Hopefully, we're not getting that much night. Night light is going to affect our amount of melatonin that we do. Mm-hmm. There's also chemical imbalances that happen just day to day, and that's important for us to to function well during the day, like our yeah. cortisol levels. So when your chemicals are out of balance. Um, it's it's again trying to work backwards on how that happens, and it's not a uh, an absolute. It's not yeah. a black or white. So yep. that's that's where I go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that belief is the key word in this sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this this belief that they have less control over it. Yeah, almost like there's, and you know, you know, I've kind of alluded to this earlier. It's almost like it's it's easier. It's sometimes easier. Or maybe more preferential to think of your sleep problem as something that a pill can solve versus something that I need to do to get better sleep. Well, it's definitely faster for a pill to solve it. Sure. But we just know that the pills don't really, you know, work. Well, and and the pills in terms of chemical imbalance, they're creating their own chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending on how long that imbalance lasts will cause more dysfunction the next day. Right. Um, A very typical thing is that people get pills uh, to help them sleep that aren't actually for sleep. They're for other things. Mm -hmm. And and sleep is the trickle off. You the know, drowsiness is this, yeah things yeah. like Benadryl where it's it's an antihistamine trying to decrease the amount of histamine in your system and histamine is there to 
kind of react to inflammation. It's a byproduct of one of the white blood cells. Um, but all of a sudden, now that in, in your brain, when the histamine is blocked, histamine's a very big promoter of being awake. Mm -hmm. So antihistamines for sure will d help with that, but they will also stay in your system for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Which brings us to our next one here. It says, I feel that insomnia is ruining my ability to enjoy my life and it prevents me from doing what I want. Ooh, what do you think about this one, Michelle? Uh, this this gets to that anticipation is mm -hmm. you're you're worried so much that what you didn't do that day or what you couldn't do that day had to do with your sleep. Mm -hmm. I remember there are many times in your life that you've slept more or less, and that has not prevented you from doing what you are doing or what you uh, think that you should be doing. Right, which is also you know comes back to that that myth that is generally out there, which is that we should be sleeping the same throughout our lives, right? That like the quality of sleep that we had in our 20s is the quality of sleep that you, be, you should be having like later in life too. When the honest reality is your sleep quality is going to fluctuate quite a bit. And lots of pieces influence that aging also being one of them. Well, and the not doing is part of that sleep problem. Mm -hmm. So you can do a lot of things sleepy. I mean, there's there's a lot of data that will show every person has done things while sure. they're sleepy, right. uh, but not doing them, not signing up for things, not mm -hmm. exposing yourself to new um, opportunities, that creates more sleep disturbance. Right. Uh, not necessarily insomnia. Maybe it'll have another added effect that you used mm -hmm. to need six hours of sleep and now you need eight hours of sleep. Right, yeah. In addition to other things that you might be on now, there might be other medications you're on that have their own set of side effects and you name it, all sorts of things. Um, which brings us to our next one here. So medication is probably the only solution to sleeplessness. Hmm. Interesting. I can see where a lot of people would think that that already have sleep issues think that this is yeah. an answer. I don't. I hope none of you guys that listen to this podcast... <laughs> know that medicine is the only solution because I'm going to tell you it's not. Right. We tell you that every time we talk to you. Right. And every episode, I think, we even kind of reinforce it too. So, yes. But, but if you know someone who, who does this, this is, again, a, a good point for the plug. Yeah. Share this episode with them. Share another episode that you liked because medicine is not the only solution and medicine mm. can create new problems. Right. And in fact, we know in the long run for better sleep, it's not going to really involve medication at all. Yeah. So let's so. talk about kids for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. One thing that comes up quite a bit in terms of um, of children not sleeping well, maybe a parent, the kids are not sleeping well, so it trickles over into their sleep disturbance. Mm -hmm. um, they want to know what's safe for kids, you know, from a medicine mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, and they are working generally with me when I'm talking to them. So we've already emphasized that medicines aren't the option for the adults. Right. And they still run to the what's mm -hmm. what what's the one thing that I can give to the children. Um and I think it's really an important um uh, important thing when you find that somebody in the house has a sleep disturbance. Kids are sponges. They they look to the mm -hmm. grown-ups that are around them. And if the grown-ups are around them are taking something or doing something that's not conducive to sleep, the kids will do the same thing. Oh yeah. So really it's still again about education. Um, and it's about, you know, mindful habit changes that you can mm -hmm. do to get to sleep and also yeah. promoting how important sleep is. Mm -hmm. um, the number of people that say, well, I'll just sleep when I'm done with X, Y or Z. 
that's not really owning to the fact that if sleep is on your list of uh, problems that you have, don't put it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, make it almost like this this holy shrine right. is that you don't just do a lot of things that create anxiety, pay your bills, clean your house, mm-hmm. do things you didn't get to. The, there's other times that might be more appropriate to do that. Oh, yeah. Um, do you get a lot of pushback with your clients on, hey, there's not enough times is the only time that I can do it? Oh, yeah. There's a, Well, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's like, there's not enough time. That's where we talked about that, that um, bedtime, you know, revenge procrastination kind of shows up. Um, but, you know, speaking of of kids, one of the things that I'm a huge proponent of, but I will say a lot of my clients are just not, maybe not as um, familiar with this is, you know, your your internet router is a great thing to put on a bedtime. And you can definitely like, you can, you can dive into the settings and you can adjust it by per device. So if you just wanted to make sure your, you know, your specific devices lose internet access after a certain point in time of the day, that's completely fine. But if that's if you're not that tech savvy, you can put the whole thing like on one of those, you know, plug in the wall timers that you can mm-hmm. pick up at Home Depot so that it just shuts off. And when you'd be amazed at what happens when the Internet just shuts off. Yeah. So now now yeah. that the Christmas lights aren't on a timer, now mm-hmm. you get to uh, use the same timer. For- Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You got it. You can repurpose it. So um, and uh, you'd be amazed at when they're. You know, it's just like if you, you know, you see the TV turn off because there's no longer, you know, something to watch. You'd be amazed that you're like, oh, wow, I think I am really tired, actually. I've just been watching the show for however many episodes. So, But it's it's a really hard habit to break when the kids are watching an adult do it. So really, mm-hmm. if you are having issues with your own child or someone that you know is having issues with their child, the entire household really should be following mm-hmm. some of those go- good habits. Yep. Absolutely. Screen I created time like a shrine to, to where the cell phones live downstairs in the kitchen. And um, the shrine does not get visited very often because it's not not being upheld by another person in the household. Right. So. Mm. Yep. You got it. So those boundaries matter. Okay. And then the last one here. This one I think is super important because this is a pretty big indicator that sleep disruptions or insomnia and specifically have really started to negatively impact your life. But this one says, I avoid or I cancel obligations, whether it's social obligations, family occupations or obligations or occupational obligations. So I avoid or cancel those things after a poor night's sleep. Ooh, this one is so big. Michelle, what are your greatest stories you've heard about this one? This is um, this is one of those those things where you almost wish that you could tell people they're doing exactly the opposite thing Mm -hmm. to what there should be doing after a poor night's sleep Mm -hmm. so um these this is really where there's bad learning that's gotten put in there and this is uh unlearning potential Mm -hmm. when you're canceling things after you sleep badly for one night or if you've slept badly for a few nights and you're canceling future activities that Mm -hmm. are two and three weeks later Mm -hmm. because of it um, maybe you've signed up to give some presentation or a book club and because of bad sleeping, you now are behind in terms of that book club. Right. Remember, most things that are social, family or occupational, they understand that you're a human being mm-hmm. and they also understand that nothing needs to be perfect. But that may be part of the, this issue on this this perfection 
and the expectations that are going into it. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a person who's really going to need to work either with a professional or acknowledge that they have like that pathologic belief system that needs to be um, unwound. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it, it comes back to not to tie it into our cognitive restructuring episode, but but it's totally related to that is, you know, your brain is always trying to really accomplish three things. It's number one, it's keeping you alive. That's that's number one job. Number two, your brain loves quick decision making over accurate decision making. It just prefers a quick decision. And number three, this is the part that I think gets a lot of us really stuck. Your brain loves to connect the dots to make a story. And so many times we connect the dots of making this story around sleep deprivation of, oh, you know, I slept horribly last night. That means I need to cancel, you know, the event that I was going to go to today. Or that means I need to back out of maybe I go into work late today or call out or maybe something else happens. And again, the story you keep telling yourself is, oh, it's because I got poor sleep. When there's usually more than one explanation for that. And I can tell you, it's usually not poor sleep. There's usually something else behind that that is causing us to get a little bit more stuck. So, but that's that's when you need to meet with someone to dive deeper into that part. So, yeah, but acknowledge it because, uh, like Dan was just saying, is if you if you keep focusing on the wrong answer, mm -hmm. then you're not going to understand how to solve problems. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There are lots of reasons why poor sleep can show up and why sleep itself can be um, and the avoidance of things using sleep can really uh, keep you stuck because you think it's a sleep problem, but actually it's something else in your life that you're kind of avoiding. And if any of you have ever like thought, oh, well, you you just don't know. Um, you and Daniel, like <laughs> you're the best sleepers ever. Remember, we're humans. Oh yeah, uh, we are not AI, unlike our script that is now written or the music that is is performed. You know, at the beginning <laughs> of the intro and outro. Uh -huh. I mean, we all have good and bad nights. It's that dysfunctional thinking that creates more of the habit. Mm -hmm. And um, once you recognize it, even if you're in a bad, you know, section of your sleep. Uh, once you recognize it, you can fix it with appropriate behaviors and appropriate thoughts. Yep, absolutely. All right, great conversation today, Michelle. Don't be scared to go to sleep. Yeah. Don't be scared to to break some of those rules and sleep mm -hmm. better. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's there's almost kind of like, you know, we talked about that mindfulness as it applies to to sleep. Having that beginner's mind, that idea that every new, every night of sleep is a new night of sleep. And I'm not sure what's going to show up tonight, but I can be flexible and kind of roll with it. Yeah. Just like yoga. Good luck with that one. No, <laughs> I, I love it. So until next time, we look forward to hearing your comments. Please rate this episode and many of our other episodes. Mm -hmm. Please share it with a friend and let us know what you think and what you want to hear. All right. Until next time, Sleep Nation. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sleep Takeout. We hope that you found our discussion on sleep valuable. Help your friends to sleep better. You can share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Remember, Sleep Nation, sleep well. Dream big. And wake up refreshed. Bye. Bye.